Hey, this is Sam Duke. And this is Tell McHale. And I'm Joe Duke. We are here to check on you. You good, bruh? This is a safe space for men to express their emotions. We are here to bring a new and different definition of manhood, one topic at a time. We want to help create a new generation of men that are emotionally aware in order to improve these relationships. I know I'm trying to get good. I know I'm trying to get good. What about you? You You good, bruh? Hey, yo, it's your boy, Sam Duke. Hey, it's your boy, Tell Mikel. And welcome to another episode of You Good, you good Bruh. Bro. Yes. Yeah, we're going to get this thing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but today, you know, we have, a spe- we, we have two special guests on our podcast today. Very special. Very special. They're, they're more special than others, right? They're yes, way correct. more special than anybody we brought on the show up until this point. You know, let no man put asunder. No. <laughs> <laughs> Today we have not only my wife, Miss uh, Brandy Duperville, um, but Mikkel, your wife. My wife, Courtney Rozier. Yes. Rozier. Um, and <laughs> you, know, you don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Apparently not. You know. See, so. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I be messing you know, it up. <laughs> listen, I, I didn't know I was messing it up to about seven years ago. So. Oh. oh man, so, so yeah, so it's it just takes it's some French. getting used to. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's French. Yes, it's, it's, it's French. No, I, no. I, I, per, I think it's Haitian. It's, but and that that we talked about that before. Yeah, uh, I, I'm inclined to believe that that's that's where where it is. But uh, um, you know, as, as much as our wives, you know, love to would love to always come on our show. That today is a special is a special reason that they're here, and um, the the reason is we are talking Black Maternal Health Week, and uh, being that me and Mikhail are not uh, mothers. We can't really speak to that, but Mm-mm. we are maybe a mother. No, excuse me. <laughs> uh, no. But uh, you know, we can't speak to that. However, we we both have been through a unique experience. Um, me and Mikhail, like, we have a lot of things in common. You know, we're 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 brothers. You know, we both are members of Omega Sci Fi. We both went to the same um, undergraduate school, and we 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 are both fathers of twins and you know if for those of you guys that don't know the the experience of bringing twins into this world is different than the experience of just bringing any child or just one child into the world at one time right and um you know so we we brought we we're bringing them on to kind of talk about that experience I'm, i'm i'm gonna try to shut up as much as possible and let them kind of bring in the the experience of what it is that they went through, um, right. being, being parents of, of twins. So I, I guess we can start at the beginning. I well, I, I also want to kind of, uh, touch on the reason. So this is, uh, and I was made aware of this, this is black maternity week, black maternal, health. maternal health, week. black maternal health. Thank yes. you. That's why, that's why I was kind of, you know, throwing a poll out there. Cause I needed some help with it, but it, you know, that's the reason why we're doing this show. And when we talk about mortality rates uh, for women in pregnancy, uh, there is a distinct difference between uh, what happens in our community and other communities, if I'm not mistaken, um, or as I understand it. Yes. And and 
to me, part of this awareness is not just, uh, it's not one thing, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a myriad of things when it comes down to our experience in healthcare in terms of our community. So uh, that's one reason why I wanted to spotlight it. And I am gonna shut up and then let the ladies talk. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to make sure that our listeners know the importance of, of some of the detail that comes out of this because there are some medical things that um, it, that took place, I can speak to our pregnancy, that I wasn't even aware of. And uh, I think we were blessed in how things happened, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. So uh, please take it away from me. Just to kind of tell from the beginning, how did it start for you? And B is before C, so Brandy, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe Courtney's story would probably make sense to go first since mine is more okay. so post-delivery or like, you okay. know, more after or later on in delivery versus I think you guys were more so during. Um, so you had a you had a pretty normal pregnancy, you felt? Um, it started off normal. <laughs> so I, guess, I mean, I don't know. Ours was complicated all the way around. So obviously, you know, and I don't want to take away from singleton mothers. You know, I, I, I will say that Black Maternal Health Week is not about twin pregnancies. It's about maternal pregnancies. It's about, you know, mothers and, and making sure that our community is um, getting the spotlight that, it's, that it needs because we are yeah. three times more likely to experience a um, negative outcome when it comes to pregnancy. And this is from the pregnancy to the delivery to the postpartum. So that is, I think, a very important thing to talk about also. Pregnancy, when we talk about maternal health week, it doesn't end once you deliver the baby. There's still the postpartum aspect that we have to make sure that people understand. Um, so that's, that's that. But... Yeah. So uh, as far as my pregnancy being complicated, so initially things were fine. We were obviously surprised to find out we were having twins. Um, but from that point, probably until about 27 weeks, um, 25, 27 weeks, things were going along pretty smoothly. Um, at about the 27 week point is when I got put on bed rest. Well, I think 25, week 25 is when they noticed that I was having cervical shortening, which is essentially preterm labor, or that's a complication right. that threaten, threatening preterm labor, which means you're going to deliver the baby before it is viable. Um, now is that more, is that more common with uh, singleton versus, I mean, is multiple versus singleton, like so it's because the space of limited space, I guess. is what Right. I'm right. So we're obviously still the same one person with multiple babies. The, the, right. the children still have the same amount of space to grow as an end as a singleton would. Um, so, yes, of course, there is an additional risk that comes in when you have multiple babies. So um, okay. there's the the aspect of being a you know, being obviously a black female, that's that's one thing that's just kind of in a bucket of its own, but then adding in the multiple the multiple fetus component adds another layer on top of that. Gotcha. So yeah, so definitely preterm labor is obviously more of a concern for women who are who have multiples. The from the beginning, you're saying that 
pretty much regular. You were in a good space. And I think that the beauty of, uh, of that is you were really in the best shape of your life at that time. I was. And so it really pretty, you know, it, it was, it was really, uh, it was really smooth. And then, so talk to us about the actual bed rest part and, and how that went. Yeah. So, um, we were first told that for me to be put on bed rest at, um, 25 weeks, I think is when we first went for the appointment and they noticed some shortening, um, and suggested that I kind of minimize my activity at that point. I already had the capability to telework. So I think I increased my telework to two days instead of three or, um, three days instead of two at that point. Um, but I was still going into the office a couple of days a week. Um, but just minimal activity outside of those couple of days after, um, and I was told to follow up a week later. So I came back the next week and was told that actually it was shorter at that point, um, than it was before. So they would like for me, they wanted to go ahead and admit me. So they did. Um, we went over for, to be admitted and we were told that, um, we would just be there for 24 hours so that they could give me a shot, which is intended to strengthen the baby's lungs um, in the incident, in the in the occurrence that they do come early. Mm. There are some things that can some medical interventions that can be done to help the baby be able to survive or increase their viability, basically. Um, if they were to have to survive outside of my, my body. Um, so we got that shot and well, I should say we went in, were admitted first, got that shot, stayed another couple of hours, another day, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then we got the next shot and were released to go home and was told again, bed rest, um, full bed rest at that point. So we did that, um, went back two weeks later i'm yeah. trying to remember it kind of yeah, a little it was, fuzzy yeah, it was a couple of weeks later we went back and then well they- and we were thinking actually so another thing i should say with with our pregnancy and probably you guys too because multiple births is considered high risk we were not only seeing the ob which is typically who people go to but we were also seeing a specialist so we went every other week essentially we had doctor's appointments so People who aren't familiar with pregnancy, you have one appointment. Typically, the appointments are, they increase as you get further along in pregnancy. So the first, I think, trimester, you go, what, maybe once every four weeks or so. But for those of us who are high risk, you go to one doctor once every four weeks, and then it's you're staggering. So we were seeing two doctors basically twice a month. Um, and that kind of increased as you go on further. So anyway, I should say that the specialist was the one who admitted us the first time. So I was not thinking that the general OB would be admitting us again when we went back since the specialist was who just sent us home. Yep. So anyway, we went, um, to the general OB appointment, which in most cases for us was a very basic, um, more of a conversation and less of a checkup because the specialist was really handling most of the care. Well, we went for that appointment and they decided they were going to do some full checking and somehow I ended up on the contraction machine and <laughs> was yeah. told that I might as well get comfortable because I was going back across Sit the tight. street to the hospital. <laughs> 
And wow. um, so, and the other thing is my main doctor, my main OB was actually working. She was on call at the hospital at that point. So they wanted her to actually see me. So I think that was part of why I was admitted. Either that or they wanted her to be the one to give me the bad news that I was going to be there for a while. So, um, or we, both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we went over to the hospital. We were admitted and she came around, did her rounds and basically told us that we would be there until delivery um, or very close to it. Yeah. I mean, she she made I mean, she did a good job. You can tell she's done this before because she was just like, OK, you know, you know, hubby, go home, get all of the stuff that she likes, you know, get her something that she likes to eat and you know, bring all this stuff back, but you guys are going to be here a while, get some board games. And, yeah, you know, she just offered us her Netflix password. Yeah, she's like, like, you can have, have my, my Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> just all kinds of, but, you know, clearly she was just like, okay, look, y'all going to be here for a minute. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, I, I had a baby shower planned for, I think, a couple of weeks or that weekend or something. I don't know. I had a baby shower planned. And yeah, I mean, and yeah, knowing, knowing, excuse, knowing that we were event planners at the time, so, you know, the baby shower was like a, something we were we were putting a lot into and then it was just like well that's you're not gonna be able to do that so you know i think that was really emotionally taxing for brandy right right off top i think you you start crying then do yeah i was very <laughs> i was very emotional about yeah. it i mean but fortunately you know i have a very strong support system so obviously sam and my parents and stuff but also like um some very close friends who are, you know, very obviously supporting and very, um, we'll just say they worked around it. So they, I called my line sister, friend, business partner, uh, sister, I don't know, just all <laughs> kind of names for whatever you want to call her. But, um, I called her and told her what was going on and that, you know, we were going to have to cancel the shower and she went mm. to work. <laughs> and by went to work, I mean, she like contacted Sam and, contacted the hospital she may have even talked to the doctor i don't know but some kind of way she she worked it out to where we were actually able to have the baby shower in the hospital um she got a room reserved and everything so we had the baby shower in the in the hospital which obviously wasn't ideal but um we we made it work and you know people around me made it very they helped me to understand that the baby shower is great but the point is to have healthy babies so I think, um, you know, that was, it was a hard pill to swallow, but it was what it was. So that, I guess, is the, the, the pre, the and pre, the, the yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's basically the, the, the pre-pregnancy, yeah. everything gotcha. up to when, when we gave birth, I up guess, to delivery. up to delivery. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, as a part of bed rest was on bed rest at the hospital for six weeks, um, Things were very smooth in the sense of the doctors would come around um, in the hospital. We'd have, again, the the primary OB, someone from their office would come around daily and someone from the specialist office would come around daily. So I saw two doctors a day. Um, the nurses obviously were pretty in and out. Some nurses were amazing. Some of them were just OK. Um so we had a full care team. The specialist that we saw was right downstairs. So we would, in addition to having the two meeting or the two rounds for the doctors, we'd also go downstairs once a week, once or twice a week for a more intensive exam. Um, I was on the contraction machine 
probably about two to three times a day. Um, fortunately, I was able to work from the hospital, which kind of helped keep my morale. But I mean, you know, I was not really hooked. It Outside of being connected to the contraction machine a couple of times a week or a couple of times a day, I was not connected to any IVs. I wasn't connected to anything. Um, it was just strictly monitoring. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was very um, relaxed, I guess I should say. It was kind of nothing until it wasn't. So um, on the morning of November 23rd, I woke up probably about five o'clock that morning um, and was experiencing some bleeding. Um, Not a ton, but a little bit. And um, so anyway, I notified the nurse. She came in and said, oh, we'll just watch it. I said, okay. Um, I'm thinking it's nothing. Um, Probably within the... Maybe about 10, 15 minutes, I started feeling extreme pain that continued to get worse and worse. Um, so having been in the hospital from week 27 on, um, I did not go to like any kind of contraction class or any of like the baby pregnancy prep classes that they you have where they tell you oh this is what a contraction feels like this is this I had no idea so I really did not know what to expect I also didn't know what to be looking for um so I I mean outside of what they ask you every day right you know because they the the nurses and the doctors every time they come in they ask these series of questions are you bleeding are you spotting do you have any you know any type of pain or are you comfortable like just kind of right. they have these like this list this checklist of questions that they ask yeah, the little smiley face chart yeah. yeah 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 exactly like yeah what do you what, from a level of one to ten you know that kind of thing and you know it's always a a smile yeah you know, it's like, always a smile it was right never any issue so on this particular morning when i was experiencing bleeding i guess i um, did not make a big deal out of it because no one else really was. So, you know, the nurse, when I told her, she was like, okay, well, you have an appointment scheduled with the specialist anyway. So we will give them a heads up and see if we can get you pushed up on the schedule. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. Um, so anyway, I'm still in pain. Um, and I am kind of, I don't think at that point I was really having a ton more bleeding, just a little bit of spotting. Um, and so anyway, they didn't do anything about the pain either. Right? It's no. just, oh, no. it's there. Okay. No, nothing about the pain. Um, no real acknowledgement. Nah, no, no real acknowledgement. No real acknowledgement about the pain at all. I mean, I think the, the majority of the day, I guess going into the specialist, you would think, okay, you know, you're going to see the specialist. Clearly he's going to do what something special, right? Because he's supposed to look at her. You know, he was going to do an ultrasound that day, right? Yeah, so we, yeah, so the point of my um, appointment for that day was for them to do an ultrasound. And they would typically do like a full ultrasound every time I went to the specialist just to check for mm-hmm. growth and make sure um, that the the water, flu- not water, the fluid levels were where they were supposed to be. Just monitoring, making sure that everything for both babies was where it was supposed to be. Um, and so... Anyway, probably about, so this all started about five, um, about 
7.15-ish, 7.30-ish, mm-hmm. um, they came and got me from the, they came and got me to go down to the specialist appointment. Um, and I should say that this is usually around that 7.30, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock time frame is around when the doctors usually round. Um, so, yeah, they're around. Right. So I was downstairs for the during the time when the doctors would typically be rounding because I was at the specialist appointment. So anyway, we go in, we're down there for the specialist appointment, the um, tech or the nurse. I'm not sure what the, the person who comes in down there and does the actual ultrasound. It's like a radiology, like a radiology tech. Yeah, radiology like that, tech. yeah, it's a radiology. And so they, you know, she, she did the typical look and she made a comment oh, wow, um, baby A, and they named twins based on, you know, A and B, uh, baby A is extremely low. And um, she's sh- she's just continuing to make these comments about, oh, wow, baby A is extremely low. She's she's like, it's it's almost funny how low she is. I can't believe she's this low. No, it's really interesting. She was just like, yeah, this is a really low baby. Like, cause she could barely get her on ultrasound. That's how low she was. Meanwhile, I am cringing. I am like struggling to be on the table and it's very unusual for me because typically, you know, there's not really much pain when you do these ultrasounds. It's, you get up on the table, they do the ultrasound. If anything, it's more so the the gel is cold and it's annoying, but it's not painful. Um, so anyway, they she does that. The doctor comes in and he... He does nothing. He comes in and he's just like... Well, you know, you're going to have this baby eventually, you well, know, he, sometime. he said, you know, everything looks fine. Um, he was like, your fluids look fine. The babies are moving fine. And then he says, you're good to go back upstairs. I mean, and, you're going to have the baby some at some point. And I they asked were, him to check her. I said, okay, can you check and see if she's dilated even more than what she used to be? And that was his response. Like, well, I mean, you're going to have the baby at some point, like. And I was just like, at that point, I had been sitting there, you know, I don't really know anything about this shit. I just know what I know about from watching TV. And I'm I'm timing contractions, you know, like, I'm just like, if this is real contractions, where are we at with this? Right. And so when I'm timing the way, just based on her, just like the, the in between time, the timing, and I'm like Googling, like, what what is the time that you're supposed to have in between contractions when you're about to give birth? And I was like, the timing is telling me she's about to have these babies. You know, and I was telling her that. I was like, I don't know, like, these, the timing is like, I, I don't remember the, the time in between. It may have been like seven or eight minutes or something in between. I think I, I have it written down somewhere. But, you know, there was some timing in between. And I was like Googling, just trying to see, like, what are these doctors talking about? And then so... You know, we we left the specialist and Brandy's in ridiculous pain. They wheeling her um, back upstairs. Well, yeah. And before we left from down there, he, you know, mentioned that we should when we get back upstairs, he would put in orders for me to be put on the contraction machine just to make sure that I wasn't having contractions. And so, um, you know, again, I had not taken any classes or was not as familiar as I should have been with what to expect um, and how giving birth truly felt and I think I especially didn't pay too much attention to it or wasn't didn't look too much into it because I was there in the hospital so I think I probably put a little bit too much much faith in the fact that I was already there so I didn't really think about it as much as I 
would like to believe that I probably would have if I would have been at home. Um, and so, you know, they said they would put a, or the doctor suggested that we be put on the contraction machine. We went back upstairs so that they could determine whether or not I was having contractions. Um, so we went back upstairs. Yep. We were put on the contraction machine or I was put on the you contraction were, yeah. machine, me and the three babies, me and the two babies. So yeah. all three of us yes. <laughs> um, were put on the contraction machine. That machine did not detect any contraction. None whatsoever. Um, the nurse. And Brandy squirming, like literally you can tell she's in ridiculous pain and they're just like, well, the machine isn't showing anything. I'm just yeah. like, there's no way. But And this was, so having been in the hospital at that point for for six weeks, um, I was pretty familiar with most of the nurses. But this was a brand new nurse. I had not, or brand new in the sense that I had not had her before. Um, and so she was not familiar with my typical routine. She wasn't familiar with me as a patient. So I don't think that she realized that it was unusual for me to be saying that I'm in pain. Because I know that... You know, some patients over-exaggerate how they feel. Some patients are a little bit more complicated. And you have to recognize what the baseline is for your particular patient. So I yeah, think that, this... That's, I, I mean, but there's I, still I give that, but there's, Yeah, there's I'm about to say... There are, but I, mean, I ain't I'm giving her saying, that pass, but, but I get I mean, it. I'm just I get what you're saying, saying but that, she don't get that from me. Okay, so, well... I, I just, I, I'm, yeah, look, you, you give it, I'm, I was there. So I'm, what, you were visibly, physically... And it was clear you were in very in a lot of pain, and it to me I just felt like she was just like like you said yeah you don't understand the baseline but what you do understand is you know there's a human in front of you that is suffering you know what I'm saying and right. and you know for me I'm trying not to be the angry angry black guy you know what I'm saying because people are just afraid of me I'm a bigger guy. And so I'm like, I'm trying to be calm and just be like, you know, she's not feeling well. And, you know, maybe we should get a doctor because if you're saying there's no contractions, then something is wrong. Right. You know, So meanwhile, um, my mom, I'm, you know, obviously keeping up with my mom, giving her kind of a play by play of what's going on. And she and Sam are both telling me that if I'm in that much pain, I need to ask for some pain medicine. Um, and I do not really like taking medicine. So I was, I kind of had an aversion to doing that unless I absolutely needed it. Well, it's not that you don't like taking medicine. You were really looking out for the kids. Like, cause Brandy will take medicine in a minute. But as far as I was like, she is not that she doesn't like taking medicine. It's more so she was looking out for the children that she'll take medicine for a headache, you know, quickly, but she was yeah, looking out pregnancy. Yeah. But during pregnancy, yeah, but during pregnancy she certain medicines you can take. She was like, nah, you can take, you have to be sparing with them. So I just tried to be, because I did have so much going on. I'm already in the hospital. I'm already high risk and I've already got two babies to look out for. I just didn't want to take it just for the sake of taking it. So I tried to, tried to um, resist. Meanwhile, so my mom and Sam are both telling me to take, take some pain medicine and um, my mom and dad are obviously trying to figure out if they should be coming up to the hospital. Like, are we going to have a baby today or two, are we going to have babies today? Um, and I still did not. I didn't know what a contraction felt like. And I keep going back to this because I think it's I, you have to. It's very important for you to know what's going on. And so I keep going back to that because I want people to understand before they're in the situation. So. 
research on what a contraction feels like yeah, so that you know I mean, so that nobody can tell you what's going on with your body um i i didn't know what it was supposed i didn't know what i was supposed to be felt, feeling like they the contraction machine said i wasn't having contractions the doctors weren't concerned the the specialist wasn't concerned so i thought i you know i thought it was just a bad day and so i, I mean i asked the nurse i was like can you can you check her you know and she was like well we can't check her you know i guess that's not the nurses can't do that right and so I was like, okay, well, where's the doctors, right? And so the doctors have done their rounds. And so, you know, we're calling, you know, you hit the, the little nurse button like, ding, can we get a doctor? They're just like, well, the doctors are doing their rounds, sir. We'll let them know that, you know, you, we want you coming. You want, you know, you guys want us to to come around, right? I was like, okay, cool. That's that's fine. And And so, you know, you wait, you wait. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour goes by. You're like, ding, hey, you know, I asked for a doctor. Oh, he's in surgery. Oh, he's in surgery. He'll be he'll be here, you know. And and meanwhile, you know, the whole time, Brandy's like, I mean, pain. I could not lay down. She, I mean, and couldn't that, lay down. That, I think, probably should have been an in- indication yeah. of contractions. Um, I, I just wanted to be in a stand-up position. Yeah. I wanted to, I just could not lay in the bed. I mean, nurse is right. there, though. Like, the nurse is, you know, yeah, coming in out. And it was like, look. She told me to take a shower, so I did. I took a shower. Give me the doctor, right? <laughs> Yeah, she, you know, she. it's not like she wasn't there. She, no, she watched me in pain, which is another kind of thing looking back. It's like, okay, so you're a nurse in the high-risk OB area. Ward, Why yeah. the hell don't you know what a contract? Like, you should be able to look at me and tell, and tell that I'm having yeah. contractions. The doctors but, tell you that if you call them, you know, you they can listen to you over the phone and tell you whether or not you need to come to the hospital. So why the hell can't the nurse in the hospital, in the high-risk area, look at me and say, hmm, Maybe we need to put her back on the contraction machine or have somebody else. What was the problem with the machine? Was it broken? So I I think, um, so I have a couple of close friends who are nurses and I've talked to a couple of the nurses who were previously or who like were my nurse while I was there in the hospital. Um, And their conclusion is that she did not know how to put the stir, put the, Thing on <laughs> she, she she didn't know, she how, to know how to use the machine yeah she didn't know how to use the machine uh, because and they were like with the amount of pain that you were in something should have been detected yeah come on man like it it just wasn't it it just didn't make any sense they're just like yeah she didn't know how to use the machine and it was clear she just didn't have a to be honest with you she didn't have a confidence of a someone who's been doing the job for a while and at the same time it's like you also she's also putting all her confidence in the machine you know, mm-hmm. there, there right. were, the, you know, doctors used to do things before they had machines or nurses used to do things before they were machines. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sitting there like, hey, look, black lady in pain, you know, mm-hmm. and literally there's just like nobody wants to uh, or literally when we called the nurses desk, this is verbatim what they told us, sir, we cannot control when where the doctors do their rounds. I said, Ma'am, it's been an hour and I've been asking for a doctor in the hospital. Like, I'm not on the street asking, is there a doctor in the house? It was so bad. (laughs) It got so bad to the point where Sam told me to pick up the phone and call my OB's office. Yes. And tell them that I'm like, you know, call and report that I'm having pain and ask for what I need to do and tell them where I am. Tell them I'm at the hospital. Send somebody Literally, it's like you're at the police station calling 911. You know what I'm saying? Like... We're in extreme pain at this point. By this time, it's probably 
Mm, probably about 10 it's about 10 o'clock 10 30 yeah so this is from 5 30 to 10 30 at this point that i'm in extreme pain yes and it's just gradually getting worse and worse i've taken showers i've gotten up i've walked around i've done all these things and i just it's not getting better i am going crazy at this point so i decide and this is a little graphic but i decide um that I'm just going to try to go to the bathroom because I'm getting the urge to go, I'm getting the urge to push, which again, I am not associated. Right. But yeah. I'm not associating with delivery. She, yeah, she's I just should saying. also say at this point, I'm only 33 weeks. So it's not, it's not like I'm at a 40 week. So I'm just not in the mindset of we're about to have a baby. Yeah. Um, so I go sit on the toilet and I'm like, you know what? Before I try to strain myself, and again, this is this is a little graphic, but before I try to strain myself and make myself go to the bathroom. Thank God she did. Let me just check. So I took my finger and I felt Brielle's head. Um, so I, of course, was like, Sam, <laughs> come here. Can you check this? I was like, this, I think this is the baby's head. Shit is wild, yo. Uh, so he comes in there, and at this point, I'm I'm very close to hysterical. Uh, he comes in and obviously checks also, and he says, "That's the baby." He was like, "That's my, I think his exact words were, "That's my motherfucking baby." Yes, it is my motherfucking baby, man. So he, of course, at that point, there was no longer any keeping the cap on. Uh-uh. The whole shit busted at that point. He, I think, he might have pressed the pressed the nurse button. Nah, but I remember nah, him I went, opening the door. I went to the fucking hall and yelling, "Get a fucking nurse in here and a doctor now!" Or no, I think he said somebody needs to get the fucking. I here said now. somebody need to get the fuck in here now and check on my wife. So the nurse oh, comes, man. of course, running in, and she's like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "I have the urge to push." And there's something about to come out. She then ran out. She was like, get in the bed. I mean, it, a complete 360 yeah. from her tone. Get in the bed. I'm like, okay. I get in the bed. Within two seconds. Yeah, it was like, it was like 10 seconds. Like 15 seconds. Five nurses in my room, including the charge nurse and the tech. The tech is standing there looking at me almost with tears in her eyes. And she's like, we're going to have babies today. Well, and not even she, that. Hold on, hold on. The, the, they oh, brought yeah. in this 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 big wig nurse. I guess and finally they found a fucking nurse, right? Out of no, the tech said that first. The yeah. tech said we're gonna have babies. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the tech did say that. You're right. So the tech was able to look at me and determine that something was wrong. Yeah. Um. And so the charge nurse comes in and she's like, "I'm gonna have to check you." Well, no shit. We've been asking, We've been asking you to people do that to check for three it. hours. <laughs> so she does. Um. Or she goes and gets. No, gloves, she goes and gets gloves. And she's like. All right, so I'm going to check you. She checks, and she's like, well, how how dilated were you last time they checked? I said, well, no one has checked for dilation in probably four weeks or mm-hmm. so. And I was like, at that point, I was one centimeter. She said, she takes a breath. And then she and goes, she- I'm so sorry. That's what she said. Before she even tells you how, how dilated you are, she goes, I'm so sorry. She said. They could have prolonged, prolonged that. Yeah. She said, you are, I'm getting eight to nine. Um, So eight to nine, I should say, when she says eight to nine, she's saying eight to nine centimeters dilated. For those who are not familiar with pregnancy, 
10 centimeters dilated is a baby's coming. Um, yeah. And another thing kind of with twins, you whether or not you're having a vaginal or a C-section delivery depends on the position of the twins. It de- or de- depends on the position of the baby. And that's not necessarily specific to twins, but with twins, it's two babies, not just one. And so we knew all along that one of them was in delivery position, head down, and I think the other was rotating so at that given yeah, point she was Nadia was all over the place yeah that that given point I think Nadia was laying across my yeah. belly so it was obviously not going to be a vaginal delivery um I looked at the nurse and I said well can I can I have some medicine and she said we, or, or we, I think I said can I have an epidural she said oh we, honey <laughs> it's too late for that it's too, it's late, too late, late for that at that yeah. point all I lost my shit. I mean, I just I because I what I was thinking in my head is I'm not going to be able to get any medicine. I'm going to have to deliver 100% naturally. Um and I'm thinking it's going to get if it's going to get worse than this, I can't take it. Yeah. Um all in a matter of probably 2 minutes, we have this conversation. I'm being wheeled out there on the phone with the doctor. I'm being like dragged <laughs> the bed's being dragged down the hallway. They're dragging Sam along behind. And the tech is, you know, telling me it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I should say that the nurses were there, but there was one tech who had been our tech for a while. Yeah, she'd been a tech for um, a minute. And I mean, she was just so amazing. She was she an was angel. Right there. She, um, you know, made sure that she got me down. She kind of tried to talk me through everything. Yeah. Um, right. So anyway, we're down. Next thing I know, we're in this. They are um, rushing us down there got the doctor on the phone they're kind of giving him an update of what's going on which sounds to me like they haven't talked to him in the first nah, place. Nah, the doctor had no um, clue what was going on it was rough and this is not my primary ob this is someone from her practice um that is the one on call on the hospital call this this particular day so I had not met him before. He wasn't one of the doctors that, or me. I don't know. He yeah, he he made rounds. He's come in and check on you since we had been there. Okay. But that, but just just, just on a like asking yeah. those dumbass questions. Are you this? Are you that? Are you this? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter asking them questions if you when you are doing those things, yeah. nobody cares. But yeah. anyway, so we are. Um, I'm being rushed down. There are a million things happening at once. Yeah, they're giving him x-rays from this morning. You know, he, he first he's thinking, oh, it's about to be a regular birth, well, right? Well, I'll, I'll get to okay. So um, they start to, on one hand, I've got, so when I say I've got five things going on or a million things going on, there's a bright light shining in my face, which if you've ever been into a delivery room, you know there's the, it's like an all white room with the bright light. Um, and it's just super bright um, and lots of people. And so they are, someone is on my left side taking off my jewelry. So I still have my wedding ring, my bracelet, I have all all my stuff on because again, it was not, there was no reason for me to take it off. Um, Nothing was really going on. Um, There's someone at my head next to the anesthesiologist who is getting ready to administer medicine. Um, there is someone on my right side getting ready to prep an IV because I did not have an IV in. Um, the doctor is down by my waist reviewing, well, talking to the nurse, um, and asking me questions. So I'm trying to figure out where Sam is because all the millions of people in the room, he's not one of them. <laughs> and so eventually they're talking and I'm like, wait, where is my husband? And 
one of the tech, this is another tech, but another little angel tech says to me, I'm going to be right here with you. And I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Where's my husband? And she's like, he, they're, they're getting him ready. They're getting him ready. That's all she keeps saying. But I can tell by the look on her face that something's not right. Meanwhile, I hear the doctor saying, okay, well, what, what positions were the baby in? Was the baby in this morning? When I heard was the baby, I was like, there are, there's, there's two, there's two babies. He says, oh, this is twins. Oh, God. Um, Then the next thing I remember is count to 10. And so I'm on one side. I'm I'm trying to tell the people on my left side not to cut my wedding ring off, to just take it off. I'm explaining to the doctor that I'm having twins, not one baby. And the anesthesiologist is telling me to count down because he's about to put me to sleep. So... I was not prepared for a delivery on that given day. And outside of that, I didn't know that deliveries happen when they put people to sleep because on TV, the delivery, you know, the dad's right there. If you're having a C-section, the dad's right there next to you. And then they show you the baby, they give the baby to the dad. And then the dad shows you the baby, but you've got the little blue cough. Yeah, no, that wasn't us because we were in an emergency situation. They did not have time to do an epidural or to do any of the traditional prep. So we were having an emergency C-section, which is full anesthesia. Um, and that is where you are put to sleep. So it's a full, it's more of like a traditional surgery. Now with that, no one can be in the room outside of the patient. So that means Sam could not be there for this delivery. Um, but that was not something anybody told him. They just told him to start getting ready and then they wouldn't let him in the room. And so that's kind of where I was. Yeah, that shit was a setup. That's that literally they could tell that I was going to lose my shit. And, you know, maybe because it's not it's not paternal, you know, dad's speaking week. You know, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you all like for for the, the way that they went about it. They were like, yeah, go get dressed. And then when I came back, they was like, oh, no, nah, you can't come in. Like, they had people lined up. Front from the jump. I mean, it's, it's normal that, that for an emergency situation that the dad can't be in there. That's the policy. They shouldn't have set you up. No, nah, they set me up. Because when I was coming back, they had, you could tell that they was like, I this man may give us problems. Because they had the door lined up with people. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, they I'm I'm dressed up now, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, you can't be in here. And I was just like, oh, no, nah, somebody going to die. Like, literally, I, I said that somebody is going to die. And and at that point, the 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 tech that Brandy was talking about, she came out. She, she told the people that was at the door, like, get basically get out the way. And then she came. She's like, look, you can't be in the room, but. I'm going to let you peek. I'm going to let you take a look. Like just, I, you know, I, you can't come in, but you can see. And so. And I should say that, I mean, this, this is important because of what we're talking about, because it's black maternal health week. And because I'll talk a little bit in a second about having an advocate. Um, the only person, so the tech was the only person of color in that room. Yep. And by, I mean, in that room, there was the doctor, there were, three nurses there for me each of the babies had their own team 
And then I think there may have been some respiratory people kind of in the area because they were anticipating with it being younger, you know, with it being an early birth, um, they would need some kind of possibly need some kind of um, breathing support for the baby. So and the anesthesiologist. So there were probably about 20 to 25 people in the room. Um, and one of them was outside of me. One of them was was black. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was this tech who was able to kind of. Calm. I mean, she calmed me down. She 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 moved it. Like I said, everybody was at the door, like not about to let me in. I was like, bro, like I'm about to hurt one of y'all, you know. And she she was like, look, y'all move out the way. Let me talk to him. She she came, talked to me. She was just like, you know, they're, they're, they're not bringing the babies out yet, but when they bring the babies out, I'm going to let you peek and see them come into this world. And by and bringing then, the babies out, you mean they're yeah, not delivering Yeah, they're not delivering them at the time. Not right now. And so she was like, you know, she was, and then she was like, and then I'll go in. She was like, give me your phone. I'm going to sanitize and I'm going to go in and take pictures for you. And I was just like, I was like, okay. And so she, you know, when the time came, she she let me, you know, she let me see the babies, you know, coming out and then... And then afterwards, she she uh, she took pictures for me and all of that. So you know, it's it literally she was she saved somebody that day. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. Like she, I was going to go the fuck off. Like at that point, my wife is under, my kids are. I don't know what the doctor don't have a clue. You know what's going on with my kids. I was like, shit, ain't no point in being here. Well, I was gonna be in jail. There were so many. Unfortunately, there were so many procedures that were not followed. So as I, I don't work in a hospital, I'm not a medical professional, but I do have you know kind of the public health, a little bit of the public health understanding, and I you know have some friends who are in that realm. And so one of the first things that both of my close nurses friends said to me was, "Well, where was your chart?" Yeah, And I was like, oh, well, funny you should mention that. It was upstairs. They didn't bring the chart down with me when they rushed me down. And that, that was obviously an oversight by somebody. But that's why there are certain things in place. Because <laughs> all of that information, the fact that I was having twins, would have been on the chart. It wouldn't have been for someone to to relay that. And, you know, by me having to be that part, you know, I didn't have anybody standing there with me. It was just me. And the tech was an angel, but she didn't know me. So she didn't know that I was having twins until I said it. And so it just, you know, they put me to sleep. And when I was put to sleep, I was in a very anxious state because again, the doctor who was delivering my children that I was not expecting to have at that very moment, didn't know how many children I was having. My husband was nowhere to be found. I There were a ton of people that I had no idea about in the room. And they're about to cut my wedding ring off instead of just pulling it off. Um, so I'm obviously in a complete, just, you yeah, know, blood pressure through the roof. Uh, so, I mean, next thing I know, I wake up and I'm in um, the post-surgical area where yeah. they just kind of monitor you. And I'm just in a room by myself yeah, with just... monitors beeping. And I remember kind of it was very hazy at this point. But, you know, people coming in and out and making the comment of, oh, well, her blood pressure is still really high. So essentially my blood pressure was through the roof even after delivery. Yeah. Um, and I think that it was it was because of the trauma of now in addition to all the things that I had just said were going on, but also you're pulling, ripping the babies out of my body. So my body is also in addition to me mentally being stressed, my body is also having that trauma. So that's 
that's how I woke up. And then I don't know if you want to talk any about well, I mean, when I was out, like with the actual babies coming out. But I mean, nah, okay. <laughs> I'm good. So, uh, yeah. so, um, what were you about to say? No, no, no. I, I, I'm listening. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll, I'll do, we'll do that separately, Mikhail. We'll do that separately. <laughs> okay. So I, um, of course, once I kind of came to the next thing that I asked was where are my babies? Um, at that point, Sam was able to come in and just kind of, you know, say, yeah, I mean, I just told her I was like, the babies are good, you know, they're they're fine, and you know, they're they're Nadia was having some issues with with breathing, and she was sleep because they because of the anesthesia, and because of, you know because of the position that they were in, she caught the anesthesia. She was the second baby coming out, she caught it, so it made her sleep basically a whole day almost, and um. And she was and, having to have some respiratory help. Yeah, she's, was, she needed some that. respiratory help as far as breathing at first. And, you know, and at that point, Brandy was like, leave me, go to them, go be with them. You know, don't, you know, just leave, go be yeah. with the children. It's like, well, I'm fine. Just go, you know, yeah. go be with my babies. Um, And so once I kind of got, I, I guess they got my blood pressure to a point where they felt comfortable letting me out of the post-surgical unit. Um they were wheeling me down the hall and in my mind I'm thinking they're taking me to my children obviously because I just had children I haven't seen them that's what on you know that's what you see after you have a delivery you get to see your babies I've never seen where you don't see your babies right after you know right after you have them so I get into this other room or they're they're wheeling me down the hall and I'm noticing this does not look like a NICU this is a hospital room so I tell the the folks that are wheeling me down I'm like where I want to go to my children take me to the NICU where the children are and they're like you'll have to talk to your nurse about that at this point my parents were here so my dad comes and meets me in the hallway and walks down to the room with me and he's like you know holding my hand and I don't think I've ever seen I've probably seen my dad cry maybe like three times <laughs> um but at that point I think when he saw me after hearing everything that had gone on and they had obviously had some communication with Sam at that point and they kind of knew the pre and they knew what where the position how irate Sam was but they hadn't seen me yet so for them this is not only their grandchildren but also their child and child. so my dad you know comes racing to meet me in the hallway and he's in tears and I you know that obviously was an emotional emotional roller coaster for me to see him that upset um so they take me into the room and the nurse tells me that because my blood pressure had spiked so high I was going to have to be on some additional medication that medication was a little bit more high risk and long story short I would not be able to see the babies until I came off of that medication which they anticipated would be 24 hours I think at that point I just zoned out and <laughs> did not want to hear anything from anybody i didn't want to talk to anybody i didn't want anybody around i i mean i was just i was pissed i was upset i was frustrated i was concerned for my children and i just you know didn't want anything to do with the hospital or anybody in it <laughs> yeah, she's, it was rough that was rough so to say the least so um, anyway, you know, we got through those 24 hours. And as soon as they took me off the machine, I felt like they had every other excuse why I could. I was like, no, I don't want to do anything else. 
take the catheter out, take whatever else you need to take out. I'm going to see my babies. And they're like, well, you can't move. I don't give a shit. Take me to my children. So they did. I saw them. I held them, um, you know, saw that they were okay. And then had to had to leave them to come back to my room. So that that was also hard. I think really the hardest part was not having the babies there with me in the room. Yeah. Um, and I think Mikkel even remembers like the day when he came <laughs> to the hospital to see us, it was the day we were going to be released. Um, and the children were not going to be released with us, obviously, because they were right. still, they were still early. Um, they were, they were still in the NICU. So they needed some additional support. And he was like, Oh, well, y'all are going home. Where's the babies? <laughs> and I don't even think he knew the button that, nah, that was going to press. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, no clue. Um, and it's, it's like uh, probably a blessing. Because it is unheard of. The stuff that, that exactly you know, yeah. that wasn't our experience. Exactly. There. And it's it's funny because it's like, you know, where I'm I in my head, I'm like, well, they've, they've had multiple, so he's going to come in here and he's going to know what to say. He's going to have, <laughs> and he's like, well, where's the babies? And I'm like, oh, God. This is <laughs> So, I mean, unfortunately, he is a counselor. And if anybody knows Mikkel, they know that he has a very soothing spirit. So yeah. he's able to, like, recover very quickly. Yeah, he recovers fast. I mean, I don't even know what he said after that, but it felt better. Like, it was like, okay, this isn't the end of the world. Um, but, yeah, so, we, oh you know, we, we went home and we didn't have the babies there with us when we went home. That was probably the hardest thing in the world. Uh, leaving the hospital without your babies is something that I don't think anyone is prepared for, but I thank God that my leaving the hospital without my babies was me leaving and being able to eventually bring them home. So, you know, I understand that for some people leaving the hospital without your baby is, is a different story. And I think my story was very close to being that other side of the story. I was very close to leaving the hospital with, only one or no babies if in that moment I had not have checked um and and said somebody need you know something something is not right so you know it's it's a blessing in the sense that I have them now they're they're three they're thriving they're probably the smartest three-year-olds I put them up against anybody when it comes to you know their their abilities they've recovered well you wouldn't be able to look at them and tell that they're Nikki babies but that period of hospital um, from delivery on Tonight, it was, a, was nightmare. a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Um, and and I, I think that the nurses in the NICU saw a different brandy than the nurses that were taking care of me those six weeks because I was a bitch. Every, every time I walked into that NICU, I had a question. I mean, I was respectful, but I was not a, okay, well, what do you think? I don't, I don't care. This is what we're doing. You know, we're doing the. You learned to advocate for your. Being oh, yeah. Biggest oh, yeah. And knew what you were doing, whether you were a doctor or not. Absolutely. You still have to advocate. Absolutely. And I, I mean, it, and I think, you know, in that area, it was with the girls being in the NICU, it was a little bit more of my um, area. I felt like I was a little bit more researched on that side because a lot of the practices and things that they do in the NICU are based on research. Well, the research part I got down. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it's like, oh, well, the we do a baby-led feeding. Well, 
thank you. That's great. I've read the articles about baby lead feeding and what you guys are doing is not correct. And this is not what the doctor told me that was going to happen this morning. So I need to understand. I mean, I had a question. I had a response, you know, and it's it's you have to be respectful, obviously, because they have the care of your children, even when you're not there. But you also yeah. have to speak up and let them know, listen, I'm not an idiot black woman. I know what the hell's going on. I have more probably education than you, and I don't like to throw that out, but let's be clear. I need you to know who you're dealing with here at this point because from what I've seen, some folks up here ain't capable. And so let me be very clear. I will be popping up at random times. People from my family will be popping up. Oh, and we I don't, don't know what y'all doing with these <laughs> other babies in here, but these Duperville girls going to be taken care of, and somebody's going to be in here watching. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I might spend the night. I'm not going home tonight. I'm going to stay up here. I'm going to be here for every feeding and I'm going to make sure that if something isn't seeming right, which there were some things, you know, they were giving one baby breast milk and the other baby, they were giving formula. I'm like, why the hell wouldn't you give both of them breast milk? Like I have plenty of breast milk. And they're like, oh, well, they allocate all the breast milk to one baby and then it was all used up. No, split it. Like, it, it, I mean, it's just things that just, why? <laughs> why? Why would I, why would that not be logical to somebody. So those type of things, yeah, you do have to speak up. They tried to send one of them home and not send the other one home, um, which in a case where that was necessary, that's one thing. But in our situation, that was not necessary. They were both taking all of their meals um, and they were both meeting all the requirements to go home. Um, and so, you know, we spoke up and were an advocate for them and they both went home that day. Um, so, I mean, you know, it just... it it taught me a lesson in I think because I am a very in a lot of situations laid back and not the one to throw degrees in your face and not the one to be problematic or ask a ton of questions. Um, I learned that in the hospital, you have to be. Um, yeah. I mean, you just gotta, you, you got, you got to be that person. You have to, it's your health. It's, it's either it literally is the step before the grave. It, it could be I, when, when Mikel was in the hospital, I started recording. Yeah. Uh, like, hey. you know, because you don't remember all of this medical speak. Right. Later. Right? Look, I, I was I would sit down. I want to be able to be like they said. Mm -hmm. I, let me tell you what I did. And just so the people that are listening, I sent myself emails when things didn't seem right. Or when things were going on, I still have the emails with the timestamp of mm -hmm. how long it took them to get to Brandy. When I asked them for it, like at, from the time we got to the specialist, I was like, yeah, they're not taking this seriously. So I just started sending emails so I could document what was going on. And so, you know, well, let, me ask, let me let me ask this question real quick. How much of this do you feel was cultural competency versus uh, inexperienced because you guys pointed out a couple of things that the only person that was a person of color during the delivery up until that point was the tech and that the response from the other staff that was uh, was not from our community was to basically pull a police officer move where we're going to put a wall of people between you and your babies and force you to be uh you know, exaggerated in your emotion to the point that we can now apprehend you. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. there was no, you know, I think that it's hard to separate the two because there is an implicit underlying bias when, when a person of color is 
introduced into a medical realm in a lot of cases. And that's not I I don't want to say that all nurses are bad and all nurses are racist and all doctors are racist, but there is an underlying stigma idea what? that you know we're all kind of well i think it's the it's the it's the, the strong black woman you know it's like this it's this the stigma they put out there like you you're you can take the pain yeah you right. can take the pain but you you, you hear the Braxton Hicks and she can take it and what yeah. you'll understand is you we've been in the hospital for months so i've been able to see the the white ladies on the ward screaming you know, you hear them screaming. You can hear the nurses talk about, well, we didn't gave her all this medicine. We've been giving her medicine since she got here, you know, and here my wife is. You ain't gave her shit the whole time she's been here and you you're letting her just rot away in pain. Yeah. You I know, mean, that's and that, why I say it's hard to really separate the two, because even some of the black people that we dealt with, I mean, the social worker that came when oh, I yeah, was that in the true. hospital, oh. she so this is when I was this is before delivery. This is like, you know, one of the, during the weeks while I was just there as a, as an inpatient um, and they were monitoring me for preterm delivery. She came in and she had her clipboard and she's like, okay, so we need to talk about what services you can get after delivery. And I said, okay, great. What are the options? And she said, well, we can see if you, you know, we need to get you on WIC and we need to get you on, I can't remember. I always get Medicare and Medicaid confused. Medicaid but, and um, all this other stuff. You know, we need to get you on these programs. I'm yeah. like, okay great but yeah. i don't know if i'll qualify and she's like well, why wouldn't you qualify and i was like i just don't think i will and she's like well, ma'am why wouldn't you qualify i mean it was like a like almost like what the hell do you think of course you qualify and i'm like well isn't there an income requirement or isn't there some income stipulations on who can apply for WIC?" and she was like oh yeah and I was like, well, I, I don't think I'm going to qualify for those. <laughs> what is the what is the number? And so she told me the number. I said, oh, no, ma'am, I'm not going to not going to be able to qualify. I'd love to get it if I could, but I don't think I will be able to. And it was almost like I was telling it, her. It, I don't know. That I the don't sky know. was yellow. It was green. weird. I mean, it, it was she weird. She could not wrap her head around the fact that I could not qualify for WIC. Yeah, like I said, just it was just weird. It's just like there's these biases that are out here and then people kind of play to them and they don't understand. It's like, look, keep the playing field level. If if you're going in, you like, you know, Mikhail, you're y'all, Mikhail and Courtney, y'all are realtors. It's like you don't know what people have when they're looking for houses. You know what I'm saying? You got to treat everybody the same and then, you know, and give them all the same level of service. You know, there was that that thing that you sent me, Mikhail, about the 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 re white realtors not sending people, not going to certain areas or certain neighborhoods, and not yeah. sending them the same houses. It's like no, just waiting to yeah, give the people the same. And it's like they don't level. even necessarily realize. Like some people do it intentionally, but some people don't even. I think they've just done it so long, and they've always have this in their mind that they don't even realize that they're doing it yeah i don't give them the pass though i don't care i think at this point it's time for it like there's enough information out there yeah. about being biased and understanding you know to treat people the same to treat people fairly and treat people the same that it's no longer okay to just be like you know i didn't think about it Nah, everybody right. needs to think about this and treat everybody the same way. Or we or we need to have a system in place that that, that takes the human aspect go. of it out. There yeah. you go. There you go. But but yeah, that's our story. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how I'm gonna follow up behind oh, that because uh, look, that is, I, I, at first I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe we have so much in common. That is the exact same thing happened to me until <laughs> to the <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. Did not it was, that. 
but, and I hate that you went through that. Um, that's really eye-opening. That wasn't our experience. Yeah, so like you, Brandy, we um, started off okay. We found mm-hmm. out really early that we were having twins. I think like six six weeks pregnant. Oh, wow. We found six or eight. Yeah, I think, I think we were six, eight. Six weeks. Okay. Yeah, that was really early for us. And um, it's crazy because that same week, like I had lost my job. I lost my job like two days before we found out we were having twins. Oh my goodness. Um, so that was kind of traumatic. Wow. Um, but so we, you know, we, we were at the same hospital. I had a specialist just like you. I had a, a regular OB. Um, by 18 weeks though, that's when shit started to hit the fan for us. I got put on strict full bed rest at home at 18 weeks. Oh my goodness. And it was um, it was due to shortening cervix mm-hmm. as well. Um, mine was like just below two and a half centimeters, and three to five is normal, so it wasn't extremely shortened, but it was too it had early to be for it to be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It had to be monitored. So I I adhered strictly to the bed rest. I had no problem with doing that. Um, and shortly thereafter, though. Like I had bought one of those monitors where you can monitor the baby's heartbeat mm-hmm. at home. And I was monitoring and I was looking for the baby's heartbeats and I was all the way up to my neck and it was like, oh, it was like a hundred <laughs> beats a minute. So, you know, the baby's heartbeats fast. Yeah. It's quick. It's like so, 150 or something crazy. Yeah. But coming to find out that, that was, was your my heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> And so I would notice it, and then I, you could like see my, you could see my pulse from my neck, like you could see it beating. Mm. It was really crazy. So I mentioned it to the doctor, and and you know they were like, oh, uh, I I don't know if I, I think it would would happen sporadically. Mm-hmm. So of course during my visit, maybe it wasn't doing it. I don't remember, but they just kind of was like, oh, you know, was, you know, I don't remember it being a super big deal. Brush but then on. the next visit, it happened while I was there. And just like you, they were like, um, dad, go home and get, get a bag. We're going <laughs> to send her to Northside. That's um, never the words you want to hear. Go get a bag. <laughs> like, no. But you know, with me, I'm never really nervous. I'm the type, even with this whole COVID thing, like I'm just the type of person that's like, it ain't over until it's over. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, I'm sure it's, you know, I'm just not, uh, I don't go straight to the worst. I'm like, oh, okay. They're going to monitor and whatever. So we went and um, they ended up, I ended up being um, seen by a specialist at um, at one of the top uh, cardiac, cardiovascular hospitals Mm -hmm. or whatever in our area. And he put me on some medication to help with the heart because it it was found out that I had SVT, which is some superventricular something or another. Thrombosis. Which gives you a rapid heartbeat. I also had like an irregular heartbeat. So I had like two different medications for the heart. Oh, wow. Um, never had any heart issues ever in life. This so were they all pregnancy result. induced? Yes. Complications? Are right. All results carrying two babies, I guess. Okay. Um, it felt like to me, every single thing that was checked for, you know, whether it was the diabetes or whatever, just anything that they checked for, I had it. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, I was 32 at the time. So that's considered geriatric. 
<laughs> um, for pregnancy. <laughs> so not only am I high risk because it's multiple, but I'm high risk because I'm considered, my eggs are old, I guess. <laughs> um, in egg years, I'm an old lady. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so I was on the medication. I, I was strictly adhering to the bed rest. Um, and then at 20, so that was 18 weeks on, I was at home. We had, we brought our, we brought a bed downstairs. So I didn't have to take the stairs. I was close to the kitchen. Um, so that, you know, was fine up until we got to 25 weeks, just like you, <laughs> Randy. Um, so at, um, 25 weeks, um, I was at my regular appointment, mm -hmm. I think with the specialist and, at that point, um, oh, so in addition to the heart issue, they noticed on this visit that baby A was getting less oxygen than baby B. Baby B, which is Miles, was taking all of Michaela's oxygen. And so I can't remember the name of it, but they likened it to like a water hose. Like you put your thumb in there on top of a water hose and only, you know, it, of course. Like it had a crease. So Got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, so he, you know, she was getting oxygen, but of course, they have to monitor now. Um, so that is what landed me in hospital jail. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you, the same story. They gave us the gave me this uh, steroid shot just in case. They sent a um, the NICU manager guy and um in to talk to us about the possibility of them coming early um pretty nerve-wracking and of course being in the age of google and all of that like you know i re i was going on youtube and looking at people babies being born at 24 25 26 every week mm -hmm. i'm looking to see you know what what they how small they are at that age if they come out and all of that so um, I was in hospital bed rest for 25 weeks. Like you, um, we ended up having our baby shower as well. I, my friends had planned a really cute shower, um, of course, on the outside, but that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, they, too, were able to plan a shower in the hospital, which turned out really nice. Um, my husband proposed at our baby showers on Father's Day. Um, and... You know, I had a photo shoot. My my beautician would come in and do my hair. <laughs> I mean, so if that didn't get us, if that experience of my stylist coming in and like pressing and burning my hair and making a whole floor smell like a kitchen beautician, if that mm. didn't get us, that didn't yield us any foul treatment. <laughs> it's shocking. Right. <laughs> that was ghetto. <laughs> Had lights and shit everywhere. Like I, I mean, my girl Keith would come in and have my hair fried, laid to the side. The you whole know, glam squad. Uh -huh, everybody. Yeah. Um, on the day of our shower, my my friend came in. He's a photographer and had the backdrops and stuff right in the room. We did our maternity photo shoot. <laughs> That's what I meant by the lights. And <laughs> you know, he, he, just, he just had to make it do what it do. Um, so you know. I was Randy. I was saying, well, that didn't elicit any kind of funny treatment from them people at the hospital. I I, I must have had a good team. Cause, I guess so. Um, Clearly, 
And then well, I, I mean, I want to say this. I don't. I don't want to skip past the fact that I think part of the reason why we experienced the stuff that we did, it was, it was severe. It was a lot more severe than I think we realized as laymen. Because when when Courtney called me and said, "Hey, they're telling me to go over to the ER," because she went for the uh, appointment, I was at work, and and she said, "Hey, I need to go." They, they're sending me over to the emergency room across the street. And of course, I left work immediately. I got there and we were, she was already in the room and talking to the nurse. And while I was standing there, the code team come came busting into the door. Oh, wow. The code team. Yeah. And so her readings were at a level of someone that was coding. Either yeah, would, was would be coding. Yeah, no, yeah. no. That was, that was when we got admitted. I ain't gonna never forget no, it because no, no, it was. No. I was already the girl... in the hospital and they took me to the fifth floor and that was, it was at night. And no, that... Courtney, you're missing this one. You, you, I'm telling you, I left work and I went there and the code team came in and the nurse was looking at the screen, whatever the, the heart and all this other stuff was at. Mm-hmm. And, and they were looking at, she was looking at the screen and talking to you, looking at the screen and talking to you. When they bust in that door, I was like, what, what's going on? Like, I knew you told me that it was ER. Yeah, you. I, I just remember that being a, a, a profound moment for me because I was like, what are these people doing in here? And they were looking at me like, are we in the right place? Like, they literally were like, rush, stop. And it was like that awkward moment. And she, and she, the nurse looked at him. She says, yeah, I see it too. And she's like, and she asked, she's like, right, do you feel anything? Are you lightheaded? Or... And she was like, no. And she's talking just like she's talking right now. But what was going on inside her body was that, in, that uh, I guess, escalated. I don't know. Uh, that I felt like those experiences kind of elicited more attention. Because right. we had the, the, the heart team from another hospital that was across the street that was a teaching hospital. Like they were bringing uh, intern doctors over to meet her. And so they could observe her heart rate and observe how she is talking to you just like she's talking to anybody, even though her heart rate is like, you know, and I felt like that was part of what kind of primed our experience. Uh, because obviously they're the baby factory, right? But, oh, I didn't mean to say the name. But, <laughs> but, but I, you know, but obviously it is what it is. They, so they know that. And I think that, that since they don't know hearts, like this other place knew hearts, they, you know, they, I think the heart team kind of took precedent in, in some regard. Yeah. Because well, I think were... when you have a, um, you know, there's an order of complications, right? So I think a heart right. complication is going to, they're going to then have to let them call, the heart people are going to call the shots. So that's probably. Right. right. And so I, and, and that, I know that particular uh, hospital or their medical staff and stuff like that, they're renowned. That, I think that added an extra layer, not to take away from anything that they did for our pregnancy. It's just that we really had something major going I'm on. I'm talking about it, but anything major. So like one morning I woke up, my favorite nurse, I'm like in a groggy state. I opened my eyes and this broad looking like contagion. She got on mm. a whole yellow suit, the clear mask. <laughs> Across her eyes and face. <laughs> she got a full PPE. Yeah. Right. Really? And I'm like, Julie. I, I said, Julie. I don't remember her name. <laughs> but I'm just like, <laughs> what's what going doing? on? And she's like, 
the infectious disease person will be in shortly. Like she was acting oh, like brand new. Like this lady has been nice. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm sitting there stewing and like I told you I don't get scared, but that shit scared me. I was just like, excuse me? Next thing I know, like they had a um they had like a, a sign on the door, like do not enter oh, like how they infectious disease. You have is to, what I have on my door. I was about to say they were treating you like a coronavirus patient. Yes. Yeah. So coming to find out, they had they thought I had MRSA. Thank God I didn't. Mm. But something in my urine or something happened, and they said what could have happened is once it hits your skin or something, it could say that I don't know. But the point is, y'all did all this on a fluke. It was <laughs> <laughs> scared the mess out of me. Um, but by the time the man, the infectious disease guy came in, I think they had retested or did Fair something. Enough. I don't remember. But I was just it's like, that part was the most traumatizing part for me. I think sometimes the less you know, the be- like, you know, Google can be your best friend or your worst, worst nightmare. Yeah, that's true. And so like wh- whatever they would tell me, I did research it. But at the same time, like not knowing how you know, as long as I'm feeling good, I didn't really feel like the heart issue was probably, like you said, as bad as they, you know, let on or as bad as it was. Right. Um, that went on for another year or so or more after they were even born. Um, so where was I? So we ended up, so at our birth story, so we had our baby shower, um, I guess it may be 32 weeks and we actually delivered at 36 weeks. It was a C- planned C-section. Um, everything really went smooth. I think too, what the, everything is cool. This is what I tell my clients when they're doing new construction and maybe sometimes they feel like they don't need a buyer's agent. You always need an advocate because everything is cool. Nine times out of 10, that transaction is going to go fine. Exactly. It's an easy transaction. It's new construction. It is what it is, but everything is cool until it ain't, mm-hmm. until you need somebody to advocate for you. Yeah. I hadn't really had any, um, you know, it seemed like they were on top of everything with right. me. You didn't have so any I reason didn't have to... to. To be that not angry black i hate angry black woman but to be they call you that when you're black when all you're doing is trying to understand um you know but i didn't really have that opportunity or that need to really go there um so i think that that made a difference too like you that was traumatized i mean hindsight is 2020 but you know you don't want to raise hell too soon but Sometimes, you know, that's what it takes. But anyway, we, you know, the, the birth went fine. And like, we went through so much um, with just monitoring and, you know, having to be on the bed rest and not really being able to experience, you know, the being pregnant or whatever. Um, I didn't get to see the baby's rooms or anything or have any really hand in that um, prior to like, we just came home. I, I went in as a pregnant woman and came home with two kids. I actually felt like, my experience, you were probably ready to get the hell out of there. But my experience was I had been there two and a half months. The people were so nice. Like, in addition to the kitchen beautician, they would weigh me every day. I couldn't gain a right. lot of weight. Yeah, they would. They'd and come they in and weigh you. Every day thinking that I was going to I'm like, I don't really care about gaining weight. Like, the, it, 
they're like, well, the kids are getting all your nutrients. Okay, let them have it. What do I need nutrients for? And I'm laying in the bed. What do I need strength for? Well, and supposedly weighing is also supposed to be able to, like if they have to administer some kind of medication and stuff, they know what you're, you know. Well, it was kind of, that was a little bit of anxiety for me, y'all doing that every morning. Like, <laughs> in the, and they wake you up. Yeah, they come yeah, in there, so. knock on the door, and weigh you. And it's like, like I don't want to do this right now. You haven't gained anything. <laughs> they're looking crazy. And I'm just like, that's whatever. But in it, so I had figured out, I'm a very picky eater, but I figured out on Tuesdays they had this bomb ass fried chicken, this rice. They, like green well and like after you've been have... in the hospital for i think what is it two weeks you get the yeah. the the gamut opens up you get a yeah, different get the menu than the the, oh, the newbies <laughs> when they had them chicken wings they would bring me like eight i'd be like because they would be happy that i was eating so i'll have hot sauce like <laughs> hot sauce chicken. <laughs> so i'm like that was another black moment that I, that's <laughs> that hilarious chicken. The chicken wings, and I, they would prime hard like I like them, like I, I told them how to do it, how I wanted them. So, you know, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't that same experience. And I just think that it's because um, they're, because it was smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. They, they, they treat you great, you know, until there's an issue. Yeah, and to your um, point, it, it was, it, you know, I, I talk a lot of shit about the hospital because I don't like them much. But, um, while we were there, I did experience a lot of good people there. Oh yeah, it you was know? great. I mean, it, I absolutely agree with you. You are fine until you don't, until you're not. Yeah. Like it's you don't. There's not an in between. And same thing with even when we got sent to the hospital. You know, you just go in for a regular routine appointment, and then shit hits the fan, and they tell you you're going to the hospital. Right. It's like the hospital for what? Right. Right. And I mean, and they were, and well, if we ask questions and stuff like that, I felt like. I felt heard, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of some other, and, and unfortunately, cause I have in that time when I would read up on babies being born at those early stages and reading different message boards and stuff like that, an emergency C-section is just, it is a life-saving procedure. It is not going to be, you know, it's not going to be seem fair. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. But you guys didn't they're, know that. You know, yeah, they're, they're not going to survey you for right. emergency sections. You know what I mean? Well, and that's that's the thing. They, they should have been up front with what pisses me off, and this is something that I feel sometimes that Caucasian people do is they think that they're ignoring they they are pushing something under the rug. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna make it worse. All they had to say was, "This is what's I mean, going on." Why would they have yeah. me in and stuff? Is it that would yeah. infuriate anybody? Oh, in- if they had told you from the jump, you would be pissed. I, I'd be pissed, but I'd be prepared. But I mean, I'm literally in a room. They done, they done got me ready. I, I got yeah, fucking yeah. These, these little shoe things. My shoes are covered. You know, I can't even scrap like I want to. You know, I think that's why they did it. Because it's like, it, it's like you're going to be sliding through the hospital. We can slide this big ass up out of here. But, but, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you in, in that regard. I mean, in to be, you know, just like I said, because I want to be fair. 
you know, up until that point, did you feel taken care of, Brandy? Like, as oh, far yeah. As- I mean, I definitely felt listened to. I felt like I had, there were, again, like I said, there were some nurses there that were amazing, white and black. It wasn't like, oh, the black nurses were good. The white nurses were bad because that was not the case. There were black nurses. There were white nurses. There were Indian nurses. There were Asian nurses. They were all um, outside of this one nurse that I had on that one day. They were all pretty good. I mean, there were some. Yeah, the day that I needed the nurse the most. And I mean, there were some that weren't. I wouldn't put them in the same category as others. Like, you know, there were some that were just okay. But none of them were to the level of this one nurse on the one day that I needed the nurse. And actually, I'll say that so nurse shift changes at seven. So the nurse that I told at 530 a.m. that I was having bleeding was not the same nurse that, not, did, that put me on right. the contraction it was completely machine. Different. That was yeah. a black lady. Yeah, That was, that was a black nurse, mm-hmm. a younger black nurse. And she didn't. Re- I mean, you know, she. From 5.30 to 7, I mean, you know, she put in the request for me to be seen downstairs at the specialist office earlier. But she, I mean, she didn't alert the press either. So don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say that, you know, all the black nurses are great either. No, I mean, you know. But yeah, I mean, I I think that for the most part, we were pretty taken care of. Uh, There were definitely some biases. I mean, I was working from the hospital. So there were some people who would come in and wonder what a young black girl was doing on the computer (laughs) working. And it's like, well, I mean, during the day I worked, I took conference calls. I did business as usual during the day from the hospital. And then at that point I was working on my doctorate. Um, And so in the afternoon I was writing papers. I was reading. I was, I mean, I wasn't just sitting around watching TV. I had stuff to do all day, every day for the most part. So, um, it was, it was a little confusing, I think for them, because at that point, I mean, this was 2016. So telework wasn't necessarily as readily available and people weren't doing it as much as they are now. Um, so it was unusual, especially in a hospital setting, they can't work from home. So, you know, it Mm -hmm. was, it was odd to some people, but it was especially odd that I was, um, you know, a young black girl in there with the job and a some you know working on degrees and a little bit of education that had a little bit of sense. I think that was just a lot for some people to wrap their head around. But uh, they didn't necessarily treat me bad. No, I don't. I don't think they treated you bad. I just think that when the shift occurred from when you were you know you because in that point you did not need them. No, in and, fact, they would put a sign. There was yeah. one nurse. Yeah, they put a sign just like don't bother her. Yeah. Putting a sign on the door that said contact the nurse before you come, you come in. in the room. Yeah. And the reason why she did that is because I'd be in meetings and people would be coming in and out asking questions like, no, I don't need anything. I'm fine. No, I don't. I don't want to talk to the patient. I, I don't need these. I don't need these services right now. So don't mm-hmm. come in here bother. Like I'm, I'm trying to work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were they were fine. Yeah. I mean, so so. What what would be your advice to somebody that, you know, is in the was in a similar position as you? Like, how would you expect them to approach it? Because, I mean, from a maternity standpoint, I think you had a you know, you, you, you had a very close run in and were able to, you know, come out on the other side. OK, but, you know, there are a lot of people that, that don't and they probably didn't have a crazy husband. They probably didn't have, you know, somebody yell, that would yell for them, or advocate for them. Like, what do you what is your advice to people that are going through or going to go through the maternal process? What do you think could help them? 
Well, so I think that it's twofold. You know, first, my answer, if we were, if you were asking me this probably last month, it would be make sure that you have someone with you when you go to the doctor's appointments, that you have someone that you can call. If you do have to go to a doctor's appointment by yourself, you have someone that you can call, someone that kind of knows your health, someone that can speak for you in the instance that you can't speak for yourself. But now we're in a position with COVID where if someone go, most people who are expecting, they can't take an advocate with them to the, to the doctor's appointments or to the hospital. There's one person in and that's the person who's got the baby inside of them. So for them, I would say you as the person who is expecting have to know what you're up against. You have to, you have to do a little research. You have to kind of understand that you need to know your body. I don't know if it's, you know, have a checklist with the birthing plan that you can give to somebody or what, but you need to have something and be prepared to communicate and speak for yourself um, and not have the expectations that people are going to take care of you and that people are going to treat you um, the way that they should. Right. I also, I'd add, because there's a level of anxiety that goes with you being the patient. Mm-hmm. That when you're hearing information, you're because you're you're heightened, you may not be as fast at asking the follow-up question. Mm-hmm. You know, being that advocate for yourself. Like there's some uh, strategies you can do in terms of like calm yourself down. Outside of just having the notes written down, like you like you said, look up information, be ready to ask. But sometimes you hear information. Like I know when I had my uh, my medical scare, I was hearing information and I had a shitload of questions uh 45 minutes later right. you know what i mean like yeah, it was because yeah. it was it was like a water hose mm-hmm. like what the hell are you telling me mm-hmm. and i wish i had known well obviously it was an emergency so i didn't know but i mean just to to be able to prepare yourself not necessarily for the worst but just prepare yourself to ask the questions that maybe are uncomfortable to ask right yeah. because what you want to do is eliminate any concern mm-hmm. or any anything so i i would I love having Courtney go to medical appointments with me because one, I'm getting water holes with information, but she is uh, pretty pragmatic and she's hearing the same information, but she has a different processing going on. Right. And just being able to, sometimes when she asks stuff, it triggers the question that I wanted to ask. So, uh, but under the circumstances that we're under right now, people probably should do some, some calming exercises, counting down, some breathing exercises before they have the conversation because typically they take you back to the room and you sit mm-hmm. for at least 10 and wait. minutes yeah. yeah and wait which is horrible but use that time you know to try to calm yourself down so you can kind of get in the framework of I'm an advocate for me I'm an advocate for Mikhail so let's start working in, in doing that I first of all I can't read my writing second of all I can't spell the medical terms Third of all, I can't remember the medical terms. Record it. I mean, I don't know if it's legal or not, look. but just put the button on your phone. Uh, look. <laughs> or ask if you mm-hmm. can if it if it comes to that. But you need to you're not gonna remember the question. Yeah. Yeah. To ask. Yeah. And then once you once you research whatever that medical term was, that's gonna elicit questions. Right. Because now you're reading you know, so you I writing down notes is just not you know they're talking fast. They got to run. They got to get mm-hmm. to the next patient. You know, um, yeah, because all this stuff is routine for them. Yeah, they, they well, even the even the emergencies. Yeah, that's are routine for them. And I mean, I think you have to. 
we try not to bother people. You know, like you don't want to be a bother. You don't want to be that person. So yeah. it's like you have mm-hmm. you have to be. You have to kind of change your yeah, mindset change to it make up. it where yes, I am that person. I have another question. I know I already asked five, but I have a sixth one. Oh. I might have a seventh one depending on what the answer to right. the sixth one. And is. I've been waiting anyway, so I don't give a damn about the next patient. Yeah, I mean exactly. You, you, you waited have your to be turn. Selfish. And <laughs> but you know what it is? I think it's more like when you go to the restaurant, you don't want to irritate the server because they're mm-hmm. handling your food. Yeah. That's true. You know what I mean? Like it's that kind of con. I think some people operate that way, but but because you're taking care of me, I'm I'm going to be really nice to you because I want you to have yeah. a connection that you want to save me. Yeah, you At know, least that's the. You know what though? But we've tried that, and the numbers are not in our favor. Well, and I think I think that doctors and medical staff, in most cases, and I mean, I I had a bad experience, but I think in general. People do want to help. Like most people who are in that field are in that field because so that they helpful. can help people. Yeah. So they want you to ask questions. They want you to feel comfortable with whatever is going on too. So, you know, it's sometimes it's not even that it's about bother. It's just, you know. And literally the people that don't want you to know or don't, you know, are, are mad that you asked the question. You need to be questioning the fact they mad that you asked the question. You know what I'm saying? Like you're right. literally yeah. trying to make sure that you understand what's best for yourself, your body and the way you're feeling. And, to be honest, I've never experienced anybody being mad. That's our own yeah, that's right. true. That's personality. True. Like, oh, I don't want to be a. You're not. That's their job. Yeah. Even you know, my clients, they like, oh, I didn't want to call you about that. That's right. my job. Yeah, yeah that's you true. Absolutely, call me about that. You know. Well, that's. So, it, it, thank you for pointing that out. That may be a bias that we have. Mm-hmm. It, you know. I feel. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I think I there's, there's biases are on both sides. Yeah, um, yeah. and and Courtney is pointing it out. You know, definitely the side of the of the client or the side of the the patient, where we are not wanting to be a trouble. We think that oh, it'll work out. This is what they do, but there are some biases. I, I unfortunately I had the, the privilege of hearing uh, an audio of where someone was suffering from. Um, ended up she ended up passing away in the parking lot, oh. and and she went to the hospital. She told them what was wrong. They had done an x-ray and they said they couldn't find anything wrong with her. So they were dismissed, you know, discharging her and she refused to leave. So they called the sheriff Mm. and the sheriff came and took her off of the oxygen machine and handcuffed her and was, you know, literally dragging her through the parking lot where she collapsed. And they had, she was laying on the ground for 20 minutes. They said, that's just how long the audio is. And the medical staff is coming out. There's nothing wrong with you. We checked you. You stop faking it. And some, I don't know who said it, but somebody said, I think, you know, I think she, something's wrong. It was just some random uh, medical profession. I don't know if it was a nurse. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, I think something's really wrong. And then you hear the charge, the the um, the doctor that was in charge come out and be like, well, this is definitely not the condition she was in when she, this, like the stuff that they're finding now, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't, wasn't present then, but she was telling you then. And that's what I thought about when I heard Brandy telling the story is she's telling the medical professionals something is wrong. And I'm asking you to help figure that out. And you're basically saying, lay down. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, the, and that's where I'm saying that there's some type of bias. This woman had, uh, I think it was, she had a, a pulmonary embolism. She had a blood clot and she couldn't breathe. And they had her on oxygen, but they couldn't find anything wrong because you can't see blood clots on x-rays, right? And so they all they had done is check her blood pressure, 
uh, heart rate, the basic triage steps that you would take in an ER and discharged her. And she died in the parking lot. So there is a bias that I think that black people can take it or either black people are exaggerating or because we were so dramatic, you know, we are an angry black woman, angry black man. I honestly believe that bias exists, not just in white people, but in some black people, oh, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, there's a, there is a medical bias in the numbers supported. Um, the other side, and that's why part of my advocacy is telling people, you know what, you need to go to the doctor. I don't care. Go to the doctor. Don't sit back and say, oh, I can take it. I'm strong. You don't have to John Henry through issues. Yeah. Um, but also to, to, to be that voice in that doctor's office. And so that they'll know you ain't going to take no BS. So I think that that was uh, one of the, that was one of the things that I personally took away from our experience um, because we actually, I, I'm trying to remember, but I, I distinctly recall having, if we had a mixture of whether white or black um, nurses or and or techs, like I think the radiologist was always a black woman though. She was really cool. And honestly, between her and Courtney, I think Courtney probably could win into radiology. The stuff that she was able to spit out and talk <laughs> during that. I was like, I was like, how the hell do you know this shit? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Uh, but I will say that I felt like there was more of a, a connection or there's a there's a connection that us people, uh, us as a people have where I can just look at somebody that I don't know that's black and we literally will know what we're saying to each other. So like it's funny. Just, it's, you know what I mean? And no, I, I, I feel I, that. I know what you mean. It's like a... Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because so the specialists, um, there are, again, the specialist is a practice. There are probably like eight different doctors within that practice. So there is one black female in that practice. Um, and she was not my primary specialist again, but she, I'd gone to her a couple of times and I'd seen her when she was doing rounds, when it was her responsibility to do rounds. And Did she have dreadlocks? No, I don't okay. think Okay, so. I'm thinking about something, okay. But I mean, this was a couple of years later, so it may, you know, from when you were there, so it's possible that it was the same person. But anyway, so she, while I was waiting to go back upstairs, so, because, you know, you have the appointment, but when you're in the hospital, it's a tech who brings you up and down um, to your appointment. So I'm waiting. Right. I'm sitting in the hallway of the specialist office um, waiting for the transport tech to come down and get me. She, the black specialist, was the one who was doing rounds on that particular day. So had I been in my room, she would have come up and seen me in my room. Um, but she was actually walking out of the door while I was waiting for the transport tech to come bring me upstairs. She stopped. She looked at me. Mm -hmm. She looked at her chart and she looked back at me. And then she, you know, like we made clear eye contact and it was almost like right. she was saying, like she was looking at me like, okay, she's not okay. But, and so what I, I mean, I don't know what happened, but in that moment, what I think happened is she looked at the chart and real, and you know, remembered like she's on my thing. I'm going to see her in a few minutes. Well, right. she had already done her rounds and passed by my room by the time I got back up there. Yeah. So I did not see her, but I mean, I've told Sam to this day, I've told him, I think she knew something was wrong yeah. just from looking at me. And then there's also the idea that, I mean, if anybody's been pregnant before or has talked to their OB during pregnancy, they say, 
when you think you're in labor, give us a call and we can tell over the phone whether or not you need to come in because we can hear it in your voice. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of led me to believe that the doctors kind of have that understanding and they can kind of tell. So for her as a specialist and having that experience, I think she could look at me and tell based on the way I was squirming in the chair, the way I was like in complete agony that something was not right. And so I feel that she was planning to come by and it just didn't happen that way. So it, it's just, just funny that you mentioned. Um, no, it, 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 I think I believe that. I believe that. I think that there there is a, you know, a cultural we can feel it type thing. Um, Y'all, thank y'all for coming on. <laughs> thank you for having me. We, re we, we really, really do appreciate y'all, you know, just in bringing our kids into this world and the things that y'all had to go through. You know, y'all literally have risked y'all lives to give us something very, very special. And... You know, of course, you, you guys reap some of the benefits of that as well. But, you know, it's still something that we don't necessarily have to go through. On that, men, we, yeah. yeah. I mean, we go through some other things. Like I said, Mikhail, we'll we'll talk about this offline because I've never told the story from my perspective. And I, I think I need to, but I just don't like telling it because it's, it, it puts me in a different space. But um, but yeah, I just think I, I thank you all for just coming on and being being transparent and hopefully we can spread this out. People can hear it and women can learn to just be advocates, black women, especially learn to be advocates of their own health care and making sure that they're, you know, I'm, you know, we gave a lot of passes. Brandy gave a lot of passes during her story. I, I don't really see them as like, I, I just think that there was just a lack of empathy. People just were not feeling what she was going through when she was going through it. Well, I just don't want to give the indication that I'm anti-medical professionals, especially because, you know, they're they're taking a lot of heat even right now. Yeah. So I, I know that they have a lot on their plate. They have a lot to do. So I don't want to give that impression. Nah, but, man, I love you them. Know, you do have to take matters into your own you hands because to, even the best. Have, yeah, and you have to have science and then you have to have logic, yeah. but also human. Yeah. A human uh, quality as well. Right. Like, yeah. even when I, I went to many moons ago for a certified massage therapist. And when you're doing intakes and stuff like that, a lot of it is feeling too. It's not only, you know, oh, my back hurt. Like, you know, you, you got to go with how you're, how the person's feeling. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I definitely feel like that. I definitely feel like from the from a man's perspective, it has been uh, from a man's perspective is definitely a different experience. Like I we had a ultimately we had a great experience overall. I think I took some of the things that were happening a little bit more traumatically uh, than Courtney did because I was observing not just Courtney, but my children. Yeah. At, at going through what they were going through. So it's kind of like you see them in the car and then the car like is about to crash, but you can't do nothing about it. You know, that type of deal. Man. And it's, it's that kind of intensity or, <laughs> or at least it was for me. Like uh, I probably should have been on, on a hard monitor myself. Dog. But <laughs> so it's dog. like. Yeah, you, you be getting, you be taking a brunt of. Uh, every <laughs> of the visual yeah you, you, you see he took, he 
he get the gray hair. He gets yeah. I gained, I got, I, I gained <laughs> all the weight. I, I got the daddy weight too. Pounds. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was like, oh my god. But uh, <laughs> I think that that's, that story should be the one that that we talk about. I'm in a, a, a men's group on Facebook, and a lot of the young fathers, the new fathers, are are speaking in there, and, and they're kind of like, oh my god, what should I like? It's it's I found that that theme is still consistent across fathers. Or, or dads, I'll say, because anybody can be a father, but to be a dad is is a distinctly different um, experience emotionally. And I think that that story does deserve to be told. And I thank Brandy, thank you, Courtney, thank you uh, for sitting down and being able to tell both sides of the coin, the bad, the good, and the ugly, and the beautiful yes. uh, aspect of, uh, of, of bringing life into this world. And, and some of the obstacles and, and triumphs that you can suffer because, I mean, the fact that you didn't have an epidural, but Courtney had an epidural, Courtney's was playing, yours was emergency, <laughs> and it was in all within the same- the Same space. Uh, you know, a thousand yeah. square feet, same space. Right. Yeah. And it's just, Courtney always had a chart. Like it was, <laughs> I, don't re- I don't remember, I, I remember Michaela went to the NICU and they allowed me to go back there and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like it. I was in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted was... to stay. I didn't want to come home. I had Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> she wanted. She wanted to stay. They would take care of. Her. I mean, it was I mean, yeah, like it was like a bunch of aunties. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, and 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 to your point, you know, like for when you have babies, they take the baby, and I mean, within a couple of days, you at home. But for us, we spent weeks. Mm-hmm. you know in they there the they were still in the NICU we for three weeks released. we were taking care of them there and you know having to leave either leave work and go straight to the hospital or whatever yeah. you know whatever the case may be or just being being there in late night hours so that you can see how they treat them at nighttime and you know those type of things and so you know at that point we were ready to go so it's like it just shows you there's two it's a, two different sides the of the, yeah, it's yeah, a contrast, the contrast. It's the contrast, but but anyway, guys, if uh for for people that are listening, you know, if you guys want to hear more more things like this, just let us know if you want to come on the show. You know, hit us up, you good bro podcast, IG, Facebook, and you good bro podcast gmail at gmail um and YG bro podcast on Twitter. Um, once again, thank y'all for coming out. I am Sam Dupe, and I am good. I'm Tell Mikel, I am good, lady. I'm Brandy and I'm good. I'm Courtney Rosier and I'm good. All right, and just like that, we're yeah. out.